Come on, can somebody give him praise like you know the chains have been broken? Come on, give somebody hope right now that if they're sitting beside you and they come in with some chains, go ahead and let them know if Jesus did it for me, he can do it for you. Come on, somebody ought to shout like the chains have already been broken. Come on, somebody lift your voice and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. If you know the chains have been broken, ha! Thank you, Jesus. Somebody shout yes. Turn to somebody close to you and say, it's good to see you this morning. Turn to somebody else close to you and say, you look great this morning. Come on, smile at somebody and say, you look great this morning. Smile at them. If they're looking a little sleepy, a little crusty, bump them, wake them up. Amen. Is anybody excited to be here this morning? Anybody a little sleep deprived? Amen. Proverbs chapter 27. I want to say it is an honor and a privilege for my family now to be here again for TCYC. We had such a great time last year. And I want to commend all of you for coming out on a Friday morning. Thank you so much for being here. Amen. That was, that was kind of awful right there. I feel like we can do better. Let's give it up for your neighbor who came today. That was kind of like a golf clap. Um, I do want to take a moment uh, while you're turning. Proverbs 27, we're just going to read one verse. Uh, I want to say thank you uh, to this host church uh, for all the labor and the time that they put in to make this conference a success. Uh, very few people do hospitality like Truth Church, and so I want to give them honor. I know it's been a long process. They've been working for a long time, and they've done everything with excellence. And I want to say thank you to Truth Church, all the volunteers, the Dream Team members. Thank you. Amen. And to Pastor and Sister Gilbert, some of our favorite people in the entire world. It doesn't get much better than the Gilberts. And I think today, is it today? Today is their wedding anniversary. Come on, somebody. And they're spending it with us. And so I know that they're going to take some time in the future, but I promise you they love being here. But I want to honor them. Happy anniversary. And I just want to say publicly, it's so good to see Sister Ginger. Thank you, Jesus. This is an amazing couple who have made an immeasurable impact on my life. Very few people have impacted my life like Brother and Sister Gilbert. And it's an honor for me to be here. I give honor to all of the ministry. Thank you so much for being here. Give honor to all the speakers who preceded me and those that have come after me. I honor all of them. And it's a double honor today for me to be able to preach with my favorite preacher, the most amazing man that I've ever met. I give honor to my pastor. Amen. Love him. And so here, here's how today's going to work. The first session you hear the student. 
the second session you hear the teacher. Amen. And I am a product of a merciful God and a loving pastor. And I want to say publicly, I honor my pastor. Love you. So thankful that Piper is with him. Amen. I love my pastor and his family. And my favorite two people in the whole world are here. I honor my wife, Summer, and our son, Oliver. Hey, you guys are fired up. I hope you're that fired up when I'm preaching this morning. And I want to do say it's, it's an honor to see Brother and Sister Gordon, the Refuge Church, special people to me. Proverbs chapter 27, verse number 20. The Bible says this. There's a lot of amazing things that Solomon wrote, wrote in the book of Proverbs, but this one right here is pretty, it's pretty strong. It says, hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. Hell and destruction are never full. And so the eyes of man are never satisfied. For the next few moments, I'm going to preach what I feel God has shared with me. And I'm going to get out of the way. I want to preach to you about the war for the window. The war for the window. Before you're seated, would you lift your hands one more time? And would you lift your voice? Come on, there's been such a unique presence of God that's been here. I wonder if you could lift your voice right now and just pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, students, I know that you know how to pray, but you lift your voice right now. Jesus, we love you. We need you. Let your spirit do what it plans to do. I pray that we would be sensitive and obedient to your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, one more time. Would you lift your hands? Somebody shout in Jesus' name. Turn to somebody you haven't spoken to yet. Give them a high five and you may be seated. I recently listened to a book, Competing Spectacles, by author Tom Ranke, and he states in the book that we are creatures shaped by what grabs our attention. He says what we give our attention to becomes our objective and subjective reality. He says we attend to what interests us, and we become like what we watch. Both Thomas Fayer and William Shakespeare are accredited with saying it, but regardless of its origin, I believe it rings true today. And they said, and I quote, the eyes are the window to the soul. Everybody say the eyes. While this is not a statement directly derived from the Bible, I do believe that this statement is supported by the scripture, that the eyes are the window to the soul. These eight words encapsulate such a powerful truth and carry such a weighty responsibility. Concerning the eyes in the Bible, the first mention of the word eyes is found in the third chapter of the book of Genesis and would go on to be mentioned 501 times through the rest of Scripture. 
Genesis 3.5 specifically captures the very first mention of the soul's window or the eyes. The Bible says in just the 60th verse in our Bible, For God doesn't know that in the day that you eat thereof, that your eyes, everybody say your eyes. Your eyes will be open and you're going to be as God's knowing good and evil. Now it's no coincidence that in the very first mention of the eyes in Scripture, it directly involved two people. Number one was God's people, Eve. And number two was the enemy. But not just Eve and the enemy, it involved an element. It involved the eyes of Eve and the invitation of the enemy. The enemy knew the only way I can get Eve to indulge in the forbidden was to engage her eyes. And so in this encounter between Eve and the enemy, we see the eyes becoming a beginning of a thread that would be woven throughout the rest of the Bible. And so the story unfolds in verse 6. And when the, women, when the woman saw, everybody say she saw. When she saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and was desirable to gain wisdom, the Bible says she took it and she ate it. And she gave it to her husband and he ate it as well. The origin of sin, hear me today, directly involved the eyes. Because it's impossible to focus on something that is forbidden without eventually feasting on that which is forbidden. And the enemy knows the appetite for the forbidden most always starts with our eyes. Through their eyes, a whole new world of sin and shame was introduced to Adam and Eve. And much is the case today that in our life, a lot of the sin and the vulgar and the shame that we see in our world today is introduced by what we watch. And while it started in Genesis chapter 3, it certainly did not end there because we would read repeatedly how God's people would struggle and they would be tempted through the avenue of their eyes. In Joshua chapter 7, the Bible says, And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus I have done. Verse 21, When I saw, everybody say saw. He said, When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment. Now he knew it was against the word of God to take the spoils of idolatry. And he brought a curse on the whole camp. But he said, Here is what got me. I knew I shouldn't have done that. But when I saw it, there was something that grabbed my attention and I couldn't resist and because one man saw something he couldn't control he brought a curse to the entire camp because you cannot separate the importance of your soul and your eyes your flesh will never be satisfied with a glance it always wants to partake and so the Bible would continue, 2 Samuel chapter 11. The Bible says, and it came to pass at evening tide. When the Bible says, and it came to pass, something's about to go down. Somebody's about to do something they're not supposed to do. It's about to get juiced and it's about to get bad really fast. The Bible says, it came to pass at evening tide that David stumbled upon the roof. And this is what he saw. He saw a woman bathing. Now, a lot of people will try to portray 
Bathsheba as if she was doing something wrong, but she wasn't doing anything wrong. If you study out Orthodox Jews, they'll do it today. Women bathe ceremonially once a month. That's not the only time they bathe, but they specifically bathe. It wasn't just a hygienic bath, but it was a ceremonial bath to prepare herself for her husband. And so she wasn't on the roof. The Bible never says that. The Bible just says David was on the roof and he saw her. Now here's what he should have done. Because we all sometimes see things we are not supposed to see accidentally. He should have said, I'm going back inside. I wasn't supposed to see that. But there was something about the eyes. When it locked on the forbidden, the Bible says he went inside and he said to his servant, I want you to go and I want you to bring that woman here. And you know the rest of the story. In case you don't, I'm going to tell you. They ended up having an adulterous affair. The Bible says he sent her husband out to battle and he got murdered. And it all started when the king saw something he should not have seen. Everybody say it's the same David. It's the same David that grabbed five smooth stones and said, if nobody else will kill Goliath, I'll do it. But the same man that had the faith to kill a giant did not have the discipline to guard his eyes. And he was anointed, but he wasn't disciplined. And just because you're anointed doesn't mean you're safeguarded from the troubles. You have to be disciplined. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you fast. I don't care how much you read the Bible. If you don't protect your eyes, the enemy is coming. Somebody shout the eyes or the window to the soul. What you allow access to the window soon has access to the house. And in 2022, perhaps like never before, there is a war for the window. And it doesn't matter how anointed you are. If you don't protect your eyes, the enemy is going to gain access to your life. And he's going to try to destroy you. The forbidden is simply waiting on the invitation from our eyes. I want you to hear me loud and clear. It matters what we look at. It matters what we watch. And because of who you are, not everything deserves an audience with your eyes. I want you to know the Bible still says about you in 1 Peter chapter 2, but you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are powerful. And because of that, you've got to protect what you're looking at. You have to decide the anointing that's on your life is too valuable. The future that God has for you is too valuable. The marriage you may step into one day is too valuable to be careless. Somebody lift your hands in this room right now. Come on, pray. God, help me. God, I'm open to conviction. God, I'm open to correction today. Let your word speak to me. When the children of Israel were leaving Egypt and they were going to Canaan, God gave them specific instructions in order to be successful in the promised land. Sure, God, them, God brought them out of Egypt and he was bringing them into the promised land. But just because they were stepping into a land with milk and honey didn't mean they could relax and do whatever they want. God made it very clear there are principles for the promised land. That if you're going to be successful, there's some things you're going to have to do. It's just like us, when God brings us out of Egypt, God brings us out of sin, and we step into the promised land of our relationship with Him. 
There are principles that we must heed to if we're going to be successful. And the Bible says in Numbers chapter 33, it says, Speak to the children of Israel and say unto them, When you are passed over Jordan into the land of Canaan, this is what I want you to do. When you step into the place that I have called you, this is what I want you to do. I want you to drive out the inhabitants from the land before you, but I don't want you to just drive out the people. He said, This is the second thing I want you to do. I want you to destroy their pictures. He said, don't just destroy the pictures. I want you to destroy the molten images. And I want you to pluck down the high places. He says, you cannot just deal with the people. You also got to deal with the pictures. It's not enough to drive the idolaters out. You can't give them access into your life by looking at their pictures and their way of life and what they do and what they worship. And if you're going to live for God, you got to deal with the pictures. You got to deal with the pictures. God wanted them to know the pictures, Pastor Darren, are just as dangerous as the people. It's not enough to drive out the people. You got to drive out the pictures. Because the pictures of idolatry cannot take up residence in your heart. If you don't give it access to your eyes, you cannot just drive out the people. You got to deal with the pictures. You got to deal with the molten images. The Bible would repeat this many times in Scripture. In Deuteronomy 7, it says it like this But you shall deal with them, and you're going to destroy their altars, and you're going to break down their images, and you're going to cut down their groves, and you're going to burn the images with fire. Why is this so important? Because the next verse says this Because you are. Are a holy people unto the Lord. And holy people cannot maintain their holiness while they're constantly watching unholy pictures. You gotta protect it. You gotta protect it. We gotta protect it. You gotta value the anointing that's on your life. You gotta value the spirit that you're filled with and say, I'm not gonna make Jesus watch this. And my spirit is stirred this morning because I know I stand before young people in hyphens that no doubt you've been touched and marked by the hand of God. And no doubt your anointing is real. And I want you to know I believe in you. We believe in you. I commend you for being a light in a dark world. I commend you when things are crazier than they've ever been for maintaining your identity and holiness and separation. I commend you. I know it's not easy. I know you're fighting a unique battle, but I want you to know with every fiber of my existence, I believe in you. I believe God has called you. I believe God has chosen you. I believe God has anointed you. I believe God wants to use you. But as much as I can commend you, I must also caution you that even though the anointing is real, even though the favor is real, even though the calling is real, you have to protect it and you have to guard your eyes. If you don't guard your eyes... The enemy knows that that's the pathway that he can take 
to get back into your life. Hear me. One Puritan said, there is no means to guard the heart if we leave our eyes unguarded. Unguarded windows will lead to unhealthy Christians. I've seen it time and time again. It is not enough to abstain from a life that's displeasing to God and then turn around and get that same lifestyle and audience with our eyes in the name of entertainment. It matters what you watch. Why? Because it affects how you worship. Because now, David doesn't have to climb to the roof and look for Bathsheba bathing in her house. Now you can go on your iPhone and nobody knows what you're looking at. And you can delete the search history. Now they're forbidden it. It's not fruit dangling from a tree. But now it's those images that are facing your eyes every single day. And you've got to make a decision. I will guard what I look at. There's not enough rules. I can't preach it hard enough. You got to make a decision. My relationship with God, it means too much. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. I can't give you... 52 rules that you can abide by. Your pastor can't preach it strong enough. In the beginning, they had one rule. And even the one rule wasn't enough to take care of the situation of the eyes. It all boils down to, I love God too much to watch that. I love God too much to listen to that. He's brought me too far for me to go back to that trash. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful God picked me up and brought me out of the world. And I'm not letting that back in. In the name of entertainment oh no I want to see Jesus come on before you see to lift your hands Be seated for just a moment. The pictures of idolatry now are promoted to us at such a rapid rate in the shows and the movies that some of us sit idly in front of. And what once was promoted in a subtle way is now boldly blasted on the screens that we sit by. And hear me, I have such a burden in my heart. We cannot sit by and watch things that constantly contradict the God we serve and the Bible we love. When entertainment contradicts the God we serve and the Bible we believe in, it's not entertainment. It's a trap. So I ask you today, what good does it do for you to repent over things that you're willing to watch on the screen? What good does it do for God to deliver us? And then we go right back to it in entertainment. The psalmist said, I will set no wicked things before mine eye. Romans chapter 132, don't read it unless you want it to change your life. Paul talks about the sin and the people that will meet the judgment of God. But then he says this, but not just them, but them that have pleasure and them that do such things. I don't want to accept things into my life because it's entertainment. It's a trap of the enemy. Hear me. The enemy doesn't just want your attention. He wants the anointing on your life. 
life. He doesn't just want your focus. He's trying to rob you of your future. But I'm telling you, God has sent me today with a word to help you that you can guard. You can guard the window to your soul. profanity, immorality, brutality, we dismiss it as harmless because after all, they're just acting and it's just entertainment. But it's not just entertainment because it's affecting your soul. Because what gets an audience with your eyes gets access to your soul. There was an early church father back in Bible days who took his daughter to see the Roman live theater. And in Roman theater, the favorite dramatic things were crime, adultery, and immorality, much like what's on the screen in 2022. And as that father, as he took his daughter to that, he had to get up and leave early. And he posed this question, and it stirs in my spirit. He said, how can it be right to watch what is wrong? How is it okay to watch what the Bible condemns? How can it be okay to get that kind of behavior, constant access to our eyes? I know this may be uncomfortable to hear, but I'm telling you, if you can apply this word to your life, you'll stop living in temporary victory, and you'll walk in sustained victory. I'm telling you, the reason some of you are up on Sunday and back down by Wednesday and back up on Sunday is because you've been letting things in the window that are never supposed to be in the window. But if you can apply this to your life, you'll start walking in sustained victory. You'll start walking in the anointing and the authority that God has for your life. But you got to protect the eyes. I have learned in my 12 short years of living for God that you cannot overcome in the prayer room what you consistently entertain in the bedroom. I don't care how much you lay on the altar and cry about it. I don't care how much you say, God, I want to be better. If you don't go home and make some practical changes, it's never going to change. You got to go home and delete some stuff. You got to go home and unsubscribe to some stuff. And you got to realize when you're anointed, you don't watch what everybody else wants to watch. Why? Because there's something I want to see. I feel like John in John chapter 12, when he said Sir, that we would see Jesus. You know why I don't watch that garbage? I want to see Jesus. I want to see what God's doing. It's not just about rules. I want to see Jesus. And I'm telling you, there's young people in this room that God wants to show you things you've never seen. But first, you got to turn off the garbage. I've never met anybody that got up from watching a movie and says, man, I feel closer to God than I've ever been. I've never walked out of a prayer room and said, you know what I feel like doing now? Watching Netflix. Here's what I notice. My desire for entertainment increases when my desire for spirituality decreases because the more spiritual you are, you don't need entertainment because you're in the presence of God. And entertainment is the enemy of consecration. 
I'm telling you, there's things God wants to do in your life. There's ways that God wants to use you. But God needs a decision from you that I'm going to guard the window. Because the eyes are the window to the soul. And there's a war raging for the window. There's an enemy trying to distract you. There's an enemy trying to divert you. There's a, that's why you're constantly bombarded with distractions. That's why you're constantly facing distraction. It's interesting to note that one of the ancient forms of torture, they would tie a horse to one hand, a horse to the other hand, a horse to one leg, a horse to the other leg, and they would cut the ropes, and those horses would go in all different directions. And you know what that form of torture was called? It was called distraction. And that's what we're facing today. We're pulled this way with social media, and we're pulled that way with YouTube. And I'm not up here preaching that all of that in and of itself is wrong, but I'm not just alarmed by what we are watching. I'm alarmed by how much time we spend on it. And then we say, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to fast. You've never taught a Bible study. You've never witnessed to your friend. Oh, I'm preaching to all of us today. There's a call from the Spirit that if you can leave that behind, there's something that God wants you to see. I want you to know the Bible still says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Jesus said it like this. If your eye be single, your whole body is full of light. You know why? Because the eye is the window to the soul. That word single in the Greek literally means whole, healthy, or pure. And Jesus said, if you can take care of the eyes, then you take care of the rest of the body. But the next verse says this. But if your eye be evil, your whole body is full of darkness. I'm telling you, everything rise and falls on the eyes. It does matter because in the chapter previous Jesus said it like this. If your hand offending, cut it off. If your eyes, if they offend you, pluck it out. Now listen, I didn't bring any devices. There's not going to be some eyeballs in the altar today, Pastor Darren. Don't worry. This isn't going to get crazy. But I believe there's spiritual application. Hear me. This is what Jesus said. If your eye offends you, the, word, the Greek word for offend is scandalizo. It's where we get our English word scandal. But in those days, it was trap. And it had these teeth. And they would put the bait in the middle. And when the animal would get their eyes on the bait and try to get it, that trap would close. And then it would literally suffocate that animal until it died. And so what Jesus is saying, is if you are trapped by your eyes then you have to pluck it out but here's what's interesting to note about the word pluck in the Greek it literally means to rescue to release or to deliver and here's what I feel God is going to help some of you you're trapped because of what you've been looking at and the enemy thinks he has you right where he wants you but there's a God that wants to step in and let you know he can release you from that he can pull you out of the jaws of that trap I want you to know if you make a decision that I'm cutting it off I'm turning it off I'm deleting it I'm not going back you can be free It matters. What you watch, what I watch, it matters. I want, I want the music team to come. Paul said it like this. We don't look on the things which are temporal. It's more than just what's right or wrong. And absolutely there are things maybe some of us watching that are wrong. But it's not just that. 
It's the fact that when you look at that, you're missing something. You're missing what God wants to show you. You're missing what God wants to reveal to you. So Paul said, we don't look on the things which are temporal, but we're looking at something that's eternal. In other words, I'm not just trying to see something in the natural. I know God's revealing things to people, and I want to be a part of that number. Because John said it like this, the only thing that's in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. And it's going to leave you void. It's going to leave you searching for more. Because the eyes of man, they're never full and they're never satisfied. But I'm telling you, if you could somehow get along with God and let him show you something, it will supersede anything you could ever see on the screen. I'm telling you, entertainment is a cheap substitute. The war for the window. There's a God that's looking today, searching for a young person who will go against the grain, who will be willing to swim upstream and say, you know what? I'm, I'm done binge watching things. I'm done pouring all my time and affection and emotion into that. I want to see Jesus. In Luke chapter 19, the Bible says there's a man by the name of Zacchaeus. The Bible says in Jesus, when he comes through Jericho, Zacchaeus, he couldn't see Jesus. Because the Bible says he was of little stature. The Bible says he couldn't see him for the press. So you know what he decided to do when he couldn't see Jesus? The Bible says he climbed a tree. Because he says, I'm willing to put forth the effort because I want to see Jesus. But here's what happened when somebody made a decision to see Jesus. Jesus comes walking by and he sees Zacchaeus. And he says, I know you made an effort to see me, but I want you to know today I see you. I want you to come down because today salvation's come to your house. Zacchaeus, I'm going home with you. I'm telling you, Jesus wants to go home with somebody that makes a decision that I'll climb a tree, I'll lay up the altar, but I, I don't want to see the garbage. Oh no, I, I want to see Jesus. I'm preaching to somebody that lives for God all by yourself. Jesus will go home with you. Jesus wants to know, do you want to see? So here's what we're going to do in just a moment. I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't do. At some point, you've got to get in the presence of God and let God deal with you. And follow the leading of the Spirit. Because you're going to go home tomorrow. And I may not see you again to this time next year. Who knows? But God's going home with you. And hear me. I'm preaching to somebody right now. There's a reason when you look at certain things. You kind of feel that. Uh, uh. It's going to take some transparency. Anybody ever been there? You've been looking at a video? Uh, what is that? That's the Spirit saying. You don't need this. You don't need this. But the problem is, if you start ignoring that, it'll leave you alone. And the worst thing we could ask is that the Holy Ghost would leave us alone. Conviction is a sign of the mercy of God reaching for you. Reaching, reaching, 
reaching. You're better than this. You're better than this. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to come and pray in just a moment. Because you're going to hear another powerful message. I have no doubt my pastor has heard from God. But we're going to deal with it in just a moment. But I'm going to tell you why I'm preaching this today. God gave me this message earlier in the year for young people. And I only preach it when I truly feel led of God to preach it. It's only my fourth time to preach it. But God was dealing with me last week in Colorado about this service. It was Wednesday night. Pastor Darren and I was going to preach about media about this topic. And I was standing on the steps. And as I get ready to go on the platform, I feel the Lord nudge me. Accept it you. And I thought, well, if there's any chapter of the Bible I know, it's Acts chapter 2. God, what, what are you trying to show me? Part of the last day promised, Brother Julian, was this. In the last day, saith God, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That's our promise. But there's something directly involving you. He said, your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. And your young men are going to see visions. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, I don't think. But it's not accidentally called television. I'm telling you, it's a substitute. It's a cheap substitute, but it's a substitute. And the Lord spoke that to me. I went to the pulpit. I never mentioned it. I said, well, I'll, I'll say something when I feel led to, Brother Burns. At the end of service, students were on their face crying and repenting getting rid of some things and then I said I want everybody to stand to your feet but before I did that I walked off the platform and there was a man of God there he was preaching during the day he's a friend of mine and I said bro I got to share something with you nobody else knew this but me and him I said as I was going on the platform the Lord spoke to me and said Acts chapter 2 that the reason the young people of this generation are fighting so hard with entertainment and distraction is because there's such a prophetic touch on this generation and God wants to show you things and so the enemy's attempt to get you to miss it is to get you to focus on entertainment and media and I told him that I said do you feel the witness and the Holy Ghost about that he said absolutely so I'm walking through the crowd. I'm praying with students. I have not said a word. I noticed that there's a prophet in the room. I recognized his face. I had never met him. He used to preach at a church in our area. I didn't know he was living in Colorado at the time. So I walked up to him. I said, Brother so-and-so, my name is Drew Galloway. I just want to introduce myself to you. This was two minutes after I told the, the day speaker that. He said, oh, I know you are. Great to meet you. He said, Brother Galloway, the Lord just spoke something to me. He said, you know why this generation fights entertainment so much? He said, because in Acts chapter 2, I said, stop. Stop. Don't say another word. I said, I want you to come here. And I went and got the guy across the room who had no idea what I was talking to him about. And he had no idea what I was talking to him about. And neither of them had any idea that God spoke that to me going on the platform. And I got them two together. And I asked that prophet. I said, I want you to tell him what you're about to tell me. And he said, the reason that this this generation fights it so hard is because in Acts chapter 2, it makes it clear that this is a prophetic generation. And God wants to show them visions. But they can't see it because they're so wrapped up in entertainment. I'm telling you, it's more than just a t- 
attention. It's more than just your time. It's more than just your focus. You're missing what God wants you to have. But if you make a decision that I'm going to make room for it in my life, telling you there's a prophetic flow that will step into your life and God will begin to show you things and you'll begin to see things and you'll begin to operate in things like you never thought you could but first you gotta make a decision when it comes to the war of this window I'm not giving my attention to the world I'm giving my attention to God I want to see Jesus I want to see what the Spirit's doing I want to see what's happening in the Holy Ghost I want you to step out of your seats. I don't want you to kneel. I want you to come with your hands in the air. First things first, we're going to repent. Everybody in the room, we're going to repent. So Come on, lift your hands all over this room. Come on, I'm not going to tell you what you need to go home and do, but I'm telling you, you should pray about it. God, do I need to get off of it for a little while? God, do I need to unsubscribe? God, I need to go home and delete some stuff. But right now, we're just going to repent. God, I repent before you for lending my eyes to something that it doesn't belong to. Come on, lift your voice. There's addictions going to be broken today. There is addictions that are going to be broken I want you to know you don't have to be bound by pornography. You don't have to be bound by that which you've been watching. Jesus is here to rescue you. Jesus is here to deliver you. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice, God. I repent. Come on, don't ignore that conviction. Don't ignore it. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. God, I'm going to guard my eyes. I'm going to do as as Job did. I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes. hear me for just a moment I know that I could have gotten up here went down a list one, two, three, four, five what you don't need but somewhere, somehow you gotta learn to heed to the Spirit because I'm not with you 24-7 but God is and if you'll learn to listen when the Spirit nudges you that's why the Bible is so replete after Pentecost, post-Pentecost you're not just supposed to receive the Spirit for salvation but it leads in guides, walk in the Spirit 
they that are led by the Spirit. So listen to that. But I didn't come to just beat you up today over what you have or have not been watching. But I come because God wanted me to share with you that it's not just you're watching things that are displeasing to Him, yes, but you're missing what He wants to show you. It's more... It's more than just Instagram and TikTok and Netflix and Hulu. Yes, I believe the enemy uses those things, but the biggest tragedy of all is we're missing what God wants us to have. Sons and daughters are supposed to prophesy, and young men are supposed to see visions, but you're missing it. We're missing it because of what we're indulging in. But right now, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to make room right now. God wants to deposit something in you today. Come on, where you can go home and operate in the way that God designed you to. Come on, lift your hands and make room right now. Come on, cry out, God. I want you to use me. Come on, God, search it. The eyes of the Lord are to and fro. He's looking for somebody. If you're hungry and you want it, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to lift your voice and I want you to cry out.